0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Sometimes bad stuff happens in our lives. It is up to us to rebound from it and to have victory. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be taking a look at real people that rebounded. If you feel defeated today, the victory can be yours. Our scripture text comes from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 35. Today's message is
1: entitled, Rebounder.
0: There's a great verse in the Bible. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it says that they will recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. To recover, to rebound. All of us have to make a decision. This morning, you position yourself. You've come to a place where you can hear God's word. You can experience God's presence and worship. And you can literally lead this place a changed person. Sometimes, though, when things happen in our life, we really, really don't feel like we can win. We don't feel like the potential for us. Maybe we see other people winning. We see other people doing well. But we think, that couldn't happen to us. That, that couldn't be my life there's a great verse in the Bible. It's found in Romans chapter 8 verse 35 and Paul says it like this. Who then can ever keep Christ's love from us when we have trouble or calamity, when we are hunted down or destroyed? It is, because, is it because he doesn't love us anymore? And if we're hungry or penniless or in danger or threatened with death, has God deserted us? No, for the scripture tells us that for his sake we must be ready to face death at every moment of the day. For we are all like sheep awaiting the slaughter. But despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us enough to die for us. Wow. Wow. Overwhelming victory is for you. You see, God already did his part. 2,000 years ago, God did his part. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to go to a cross. But the cross wasn't the finishing place. He had to rise from the dead. But even that wasn't the stopping place for Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus told his disciples, I will go into heaven, but I will give my Holy Spirit to you. You see, that's the love of God. He's made it available. You know, all throughout the Bible, there have been men and, and women There have been people that maybe we look at would be great characters of the Bible. The Bible calls them heroes of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 actually gives a list of these people who lived lives. But as I begin to read through this list, what I've discovered is that all of these guys, they've had to rebound. All of these women have had to rebound from some overwhelming challenges in their life. Kenan, do you know who this guy is? Who is it? You've never met him before, have you? Never. You know, he lived over 4,000 years ago, and his name is Moses. That's why I haven't met him. No, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> was, Moses came way before either one of us were ever a glimmer in our father's eye. Isn't that right? That's right. Moses was born a long time ago. But Moses, you know, he was a man, and although he had some great challenges in life, he really did recover. He was born, and, and when he was born, there was an edict that was given by the king of his country. The, the country that his parents were held in slaves. The edict was that every firstborn male was to be killed among the Jewish people. And uh, Moses's mother obviously didn't want her baby to die. And so she took her baby, hid her baby down into the river. and And one day Pharaoh's daughter, the king's daughter, went down to take a bath. And she found this basket. And baby Moses was in it. You know, it's amazing how incredible God is. God controls every single detail of your life. The Bible tells us He knows the beginning of our days and the end of our days. And He says that He ordains our steps. So there's no coincidences in God. And there she finds this little baby, and she, you know, she has lots of servants. She says, Hey, I want, tells her, Sir, so, I want you to go find someone that can take care and nurse this baby and raise this child for me. And you know what happened?
2: Um,. She found her mother.
0: She found her mother. Yeah, you kind of know the story. You grew yeah. up in Sunday school, did you? Yeah. City church, amen. You're a good byproduct of city church there. Yeah, she, she found her mom. And Moses' mom actually got to raise her son in Pharaoh's house. Now, for 40 years, Pharaoh lived the life of a prince, literally. He lived the life of a prince. He was the son, the grandson of Pharaoh. He had all the privileges of all the, of the wealthiest class of people in the Egyptian culture. He had the training, the culture, the knowledge. He had all those things. You know, he was Jewish, growing up in an Egyptian world. There's something about, you know, your people. And every one of us has an ancestry. There's something about your family. One day he was walking down the road and he saw an Egyptian man beating his slave, his Jewish slave, and made Moses so angry he got into a fight with that Egyptian and he killed him. It wasn't intentional, but out of his anger and his wrath he killed this man. And all of a sudden he realized what he did. was like, oh my, oh what did I do? And he took off and he ran because he knew that his life would be taken And for 40 years, Moses lived in the wilderness. 40 years. He literally just wandered, taking care of his sheep, living in the wilderness. And one day, God came to Moses. You see, that's what God does. God comes to us. God reaches out to us. It's not even so much you reaching out to God. It's that God demonstrated his own love to us. And that's what he did to Moses. And he appeared to Moses. And he said, Moses, I am. And right then, God spoke to his heart. And Moses' life was changed. He was never going to be the same. And he said, Moses, I have a task for you. I have something for you to do. I want you to go back to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. You see, for 400 years, the Jewish people had been held captives and slaves to the Egyptian people. They built the great Ramesses. They built the great pyramids of Egypt. They built the great palaces for the Pharaohs throughout that time. And their captivity was getting crueler and crueler. And the Bible says that actually God heard the cries of the slave people, of the Jewish people, and he raised up a deliverer. His name was Moses. You see, was Moses a perfect man? Not a chance. As a matter of fact, he failed. But when God came to him, Moses was willing. He was in position. See, he was, he was in position. God appeared to him, and he responded. And he said, yes, God, I'll do it. You know, when God, when God told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to go back into Pharaoh, let my people go, and if he doesn't, some bad things are going to happen. And ten plagues, and you can read the Bible for yourself, you can see the plagues, but the last plague was the most devastating. The last plague would be what the Bible calls the death angel that would pass through the land. And the death angel would look for the blood of the lamb that would be painted over the doorpost of a home. And if that blood wasn't over the doorpost of a home, the firstborn male child and animal would die in that home. That night, the death angel came through. Pharaoh hardened his heart again, and that's exactly what happened. After nine horrendous plagues, Pharaoh finally got it and said, "Okay, Moses, you can let your people go. You can go out and worship God." And as they begin to go, Pharaoh then got a change of heart again and began to chase after them. And Moses was with the children of Israel, and they were afraid. And they got right to this place called the Red Sea. There was a wall of water in front of them, and the Egyptian army behind them. And the Bible says that Moses cried out to God, and he lifted up his staff. And as he did, the waters began to part, and the people walked through on dry ground. I mean, it's one of those amazing stories. But you know the the thing that had to happen? Moses had to be willing when God came to him to say, Yes, God, I'm going to do what you called me to do. David was not only a worshiper of God, writing many of the Psalms, if not most of the Psalms in the Old Testament, David was also a warrior. At the age of 12, one day David was out taking care of the sheep. His father said, hey Dave, I want you to go out and take care of the sheep. And, And there he was, and all of a sudden a bear comes. And a bear grabs one of his sheep, and, and, and David literally goes down and takes the sheep right out of that bear's mouth and kills a bear with his own hell. Now, that's a bad dude. It's a
2: bad boy. I
0: mean, bad boy. Twelve years of age. And then a lion comes. He does the same thing. But when David was 17 years of age, there was a prophet that came to his house. And David literally was anointed to be king. He was anointed to be king. And although at 17 he wasn't ready to be king, David was going to fight some incredible battles. Mm. There was a war that was taking place in the land of Israel, just like there wars today. There was war. And there was an army that had come against them, And they were led by a great big giant. His name was Goliath. David's father had sent him to the front line to take some food to his brothers who were there engaged in the battle. And they were terrified. They were terrified of this Goliath. This Goliath was over 10 feet tall. you know, And, and that's what I've discovered about the enemy. I've also discovered about hurts in our life, and habits in our life, and things in our life that they, they, they seem to be so big. They're like giant Goliaths. They're like giant mountains. We just can't seem how we can overcome them. We try, whatever it is. I mean, it might be an addiction, and we try over and over, and we just can't seem to win. It might be a hurt from the past, from a relationship as a child, and no matter what, we just can't seem to get it out of our mind. We can't seem to forgive. We we, we got an issue with finances in our life. We just can't seem to figure out how it's going to work. Whatever that giant is, there's so many times when it just seems so big but see David had fought some battles that he'd already won and he knew that God was with him. And so when David saw that Goliath they said, "What's the big deal?" And he goes to the king and says, "Hey, let me go fight this Goliath." And the Bible says that David went down. And he made it real personal. I mean, you know how personal he made it? He made it I mean, he made it really, really personal. He said, "You uncircumcised Philistine, oh, that's getting pretty personal, isn't personal. it?" I mean, you know, you're talking about a guy's personal life there and and he got up in his face And he had five smooth stones. He only needed one. And he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God. The God that's delivered me from the hand of the lion and of the bear will deliver, me, deliver you into my hands this day. And he promised him, he said, Goliath, you're going to come down and I'm going to take your head off. And he took that sling back and he, he won it back and he released that stone and bam, right in the middle of Goliath's fort. And he dropped this 10 foot giant up against this little tiny shepherd boy, dropped to the, ga- dropped to the ground. You know, David was a great warrior. The Bible says that one day when David should have been out to war, he should have been fighting as a king. He should have been doing what he was supposed to do. He was living, actually, a life of ease. And he went up, and he was looking out over his balcony. He saw a beautiful woman, and she was bathing. And he said, you know, I want that woman. And he called that woman, and he had an adulterous relationship with her. You know, the problem was, Kenan, was that although he was king, and he could do whatever he wanted, the problem is is that he had had a, uh, a wife, and she had a husband. You see, David meant he was king, and he could have anything that he wanted. Isn't that funny how we always want something that we can't have? It wasn't his. This woman married, beautiful woman married to another man. David knew that he did wrong. She got pregnant. Now the story's even more complicated. In the days of our lives, as the stomach turns, <laughs> desperate housewives, all those wrapped into one. This is a story. The Bible says that David sent his, her husband to the front line, and he was killed. David went on like nothing. He tried to hide it, tried to cover up his sin. The Bible says that if we try to cover our sin, we will not prosper. One day, the word of the Lord came to David, told David a story. Then he turned around and pointed his fingers, and his, the prophet said, you're the man. And the moment that David heard those words, the conviction of God came upon him, Kenan. You know what David did? He repented. He actually wrote a psalm. It's Psalms 51 in the Bible. It says, O oh God, O oh God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. You see, David knew what it was to fail. So I pray that you never have that kind of failure in your life because that kind of failure leads to a lot of pain. But you know the amazing thing about David is that all David, although David failed, David failed, He got back up. up. He went after the shot again. When we come to the New Testament, and over and over and over, the Messiah, Jesus, he's called Jesus, the son of David. Jesus, the son of David. David is mentioned over and over in the New Testament. And you know, there's not one account of David's failure. You know what the only thing that the Bible says in the New Testament about about David? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. A man who worshipped God, who loved God, and was able to receive the forgiveness of God,
3: so he was
4: just totally forgotten.
0: He was totally forgotten, as far as the east is from the west. He'll remember our sins no more. Pretty incredible, King, greatest King, even to this day in Israel. You can go to Jerusalem and the city of David. Hotels named after him, streets named after him. He was a man after God's own heart. See God through God, you can rebound, Kenan. Then this next guy was really, he was you know, he was one of Jesus's closest friends. He's a guy that lived with Jesus, saw Jesus do great miracles. And not only that, he did it himself. For three years, he lived with Jesus. The other 12, they ate, had meals. They did the works that Jesus had commanded them to do. I mean, not only did they watch Jesus do miracles, they also did them. Jesus commissioned them. He sent Peter and John out. And they would go out into the villages and they would preach. People would get saved. They'd lay hands on sick people. They'd get healed. They'd cast out devils. I mean, Peter was an incredible man. You know, he got really popular. He got really famous. As a matter of fact, thousands of people started to follow. Everywhere Jesus went, there'd be crowds. They'd hear that Jesus was coming to town, and thousands of people would show up. And so Peter started, you know, his fame started to rise. I mean, he was one of the homeboys. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. Jesus saw something in Peter's heart. And the night before Jesus was going to be crucified on a cross, he looked at Peter and said, Peter, you know what? You're going to deny me. You're going to turn your back on me. Wow. They came that night. They took Jesus. They falsely accused him. They, they tried him. They lied about him. They put a crown of thorns upon his head. But when Jesus was in that hall, Jesus looked down, and he actually saw Peter. The Bible says that he saw Peter. Peter was standing around a campfire with a bunch of people, and a little servant girl comes up and says, hey, aren't you, uh, aren't you that guy that used to hang around with Jesus. Oh, what are you talking about? And immediately he just begins to curse. And I don't know what you're talking about. You know, fame is interesting. Very few of us in this room will ever reach that kind of notoriety and fame. But it does happen. Uh, The church, the church in our modern era has been full of people who grew up in the church. People like Elvis Presley. People like Snoop Dogg. Did you know that Snoop Dogg grew up in the church and used to sing in the Baptist choir? No way. Uh, Yeah, it's a true story. I mean, people from all walks of life, famous people, have grown up in the church. But when fame came, they couldn't resist the temptation and the things that it brought. And they turned their back on God. You know, Kenan, David did repent. Peter, Peter repented. That night, Peter was so convicted, he denied Jesus twice. He ran. And he went and hid himself. Matter of fact, the Bible says he went back to be a fisherman. And Peter went back. That's what generally tends to happen. We're serving God. People serve the Lord, and something happens, and we fail. And rather than running back to Jesus, we turn away. But when Jesus hung on the cross, he looked down from that tree, and he saw Peter, and he said, Father, forgive him, for he knows not what he did. See, that's the amazing love of God, to forgive us, even when we've blown it. You know the cool thing about this man, Peter, is that 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he was with a group of Christians and they were praying. You see, he was obeying what Jesus told him to do. You see, he, he saw Jesus resurrected, he knew that he was alive. He goes into Jerusalem, and there, as he's waiting on God, as he's praying with the other believers, the Holy Spirit comes and fills Peter with power. And this man, who just 50 days before was denying Jesus, is now preaching the very first message of the Christian church. And that is that you're to change the way you think. Turn your life over to Jesus. Repent. Receive the forgiveness of sins. And be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that moment... 3,000 people said, Yes, I want to follow this Messiah. Yes, I want to be forgiven. You see, God was able to take the pain of Peter's life and turn it into great gain for his lo- glory. You see, he, he, Peter had made a, a great mess of his life. He denied Jesus, but God was able to take that mess and turn it into a message of his grace and glory.
4: He used a broken vessel. He
0: used a broken vessel. You see, the scars of our life, if we allow God to use them, can become great stars for God's glory. You see, God wants to use us to touch other people's lives. There are some great rebounders all throughout the pages of the Bible, not just men. There are great women that rebounded also. I mean, there were women who were prostitutes who gave their lives to God and were used greatly by Him. I mean, there were, there were so many people in the Bible that recovered. They recovered what the enemy tried to steal. But, you know, it, it wasn't just in the pages of the Bible. There are people right here in our own church that have had great rebounds. There are great spiritual rebounders in this church today, Keenan. And I want to introduce you to, uh, introduce you to a couple in this church. And, man, I'm telling you, it's been an incredible journey for them in the last year and a half. They have really rebounded. They've gone through some really difficult and hard times. And I want the City Church congregation to welcome Michael and Michelle Borders to the City Church platform. Let's give them a great big hand. Amen. Well, guys, I want to thank you for coming out and and just sharing really a great story of rebounding. Now, Michelle, you've been a Christian for a long time. You came to the the Lord many, many years ago, but it didn't quite work out the way that you planned. Is that right?
1: That's
0: right. I want you to tell us what happened.
1: Well, um, you know, I wasn't—I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. I got saved in '93. Um, I was living as a Christian. I was married, and unfortunately, um, my marriage ended in a divorce.
0: There was a lot of pain with that, wasn't there? There,
1: there was a lot of pain, but God, you know, He restored me. He—he's um, a God of second chances, and He brought Mike back into my life. Mike and I have been friends since we—he was 12 and I was 16. He was my best friend.
0: Oh, you kid. married a younger <laughs> man. <Yeah. laughs>
4: Oh man. So,
1: But anyway, um, we, we were always, we've we always been friends for the last 21 years, and uh, basically God brought him back into my life, and I was living as a Christian, and when I saw him for the first time after a few years, was a wreck. he was a wreck. <laughs> and God showed me, I looked right at him, and God showed me, I'm going to save him, and I want you to be a witness to him. And at that time, I thought we were just going to be friends. I didn't think it was going to go any further than that, but God had different plans, and
0: Amen. Mike had a song that kind of represented his life. We couldn't even play it because it was "Gangster G" <laughs> by Snoop Dogg, and I was like, we tried to watch like 20 seconds of it, and we had to turn it off. And and so that really
4: was kind of representative of your life, wasn't it? Basically, yeah, that's how it worked. I did the wrong things, grew up doing the wrong path, and involved in gangs, and, gangs, and alcohol and drugs yeah, and hustling and dealing all that, and, and all that kind of all stuff. All that bad stuff. And like again, like I said in the first service, I'm, I came back to Florida, met Michelle again.
0: And how long ago because? was this?
4: How long ago was this? About a year ago. About a year ago, okay. About a year ago. And um, she asked me if I wanted to become a Christian for us to be equally yoked. Because I, I said, I, you know what, I'll give it a shot, but I don't think I can live the Christian life. So you didn't think you could do it? You nah. like, no, no way. I mean, you saw that and Mm-mm. go I to I didn't church. want to give up drugs and alcohol. You didn't want I to didn't give want it up, so you really it, you know still kind of liked Just, that life, didn't you? But so you keep, much better now. Once you once you live free and for the Spirit of God, man, why would you want to live any other way? Come you know? on, That's how amen. I feel Hallelujah.
0: So Mike st- so you guys you started witnessing to him talking about Jesus and mm-hmm. said, Okay, I'll give it a shot. Right? Yeah. See what's up. Yeah. I'll see what's up. We were
1: just friends and, and then we then he saw my life and I just said, Hey, you know, you need to be saved. And and mm-hmm. slowly but surely, once he said that I would you know, I'll think about it, I'll let, I'll see if God can work. Did in you my start mind. coming to church then? Yeah. Started
4: coming to church. You started,
0: coming to church.
1: You started
4: coming to church. What did you first think when you first started coming to church? I liked it. I mean it wasn't cause I in Rhode Island, that's where I'm from, it's all Catholic. Everybody's like, oh, uh, uh, worship this one, that one. That nah, was all fake to me, you know. So I so it was, didn't make, that didn't it didn't nah. have any life to it. So when I came here, I felt real, you know what I mean? It's a small congregation. Everybody loves each other. and you know? I felt the power of Jesus when I came in. I would never. I used to be like, I'm not going to God's house. He's not coming to mine.
0: But, uh, <laughs> Did you guys see that? You said, I ain't going to God's house, and he ain't yeah, coming to mine. But, yeah.
4: no, that was a mistake, and thank God I changed that. Amen. And Mike, uh, you've given your life to Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. Now some really cool things are happening in your family, isn't that right? you tell nothing us about blessings.
4: My father. <laughs> This was a miracle. <laughs> My father, he's he, he was bad. Like had attitude, this, that, the other thing. He was an alcoholic. Same thing, you know. And I'd be, he'd be the last person I thought that he'd give his life to Christ. And then when he came up on vacation, just about two weeks ago, he gave his life to the Lord. Amen. amen. Come on, amen. I got one more thing. My brother's in the back there. He's getting baptized today. Yeah. Woo! That's right. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Guys, it's just awesome to see what God has done. And you really have rebounded. And I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. Nothing but blessings. The best is yet to come. Michael, I don't know if you picked anybody up but took the buses out. He used to want to hurt people. Now he's here to help people. Amen? Come on. Let's give the Lord a great (laughs) big hand. God bless you. This next person I'm going to introduce you to has had a great, great testimony. And, you know, grew up in the church. Young man, grew up in the church, but had some things happen that really were unfair. And this morning I want to introduce the City Church congregation to Eric Watson. Let's give Eric a great big hand. Hey man. Well, Eric, I want to thank you for coming and being willing to share your testimony. And 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 I've just seen it. I haven't known you that long in the last couple of months, but man, just what God is doing. I had no idea of your past. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about what happened to you as a young kid?
2: Um, well, basically I, I was I was kind of raised in the church where uh my mom was, always took me to church, but my dad didn't go. Um, so I was starting to hear some about Jesus, but then at, at nine, I had uh, been sexually taken advantage of by a girl who was uh, 16, and after that, it just kind of took me on a, uh, on a bad path. Bad path, and so a lot of hurt inside, and a lot of confusion, and it led to lots of bad things, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, it took me down a really bad path. I wound up uh, getting really depressed and suicidal, and I got into different addictions such as pornography and all just horrible stuff where I was just kind of looking for my way out, and um, I wound up getting into anorexia and, and cutting because I didn't, uh, had a really bad self-esteem, and um, I basically came to the end of my rope.
0: So that pain really was causing, I mean, it really was bringing you to the point of death, wanted to destroy your life. You know, that's exactly what Satan wants to do to every person here no matter how much money, no matter what kind of family you come from, no matter where you're at, Satan's ultimate plan is the story. But God had another plan, didn't he? Why don't you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I had gone to a um, a summer camp in July 07. I think it was around July 17th. Um, and I'd gone there and I heard uh, God speak to me and him tell me that he wanted to save me and that he wanted me in full-time ministry um, for the rest of my life. And I said, okay, well, just uh, just give me give me something to go with and Uh, I was like I want to give you everything and I want to surrender all and get saved and get baptized but if you want this ministry thing you know just give me a little head start and so then that very next morning no one knew that I prayed that and uh, except God obviously and uh, uh, my youth pastor came up to me and asked me to be on the leadership team that very next morning and since then I've been doing all sorts of ministry not on my own power because I was a total introvert and like couldn't do anything on my own But uh, doing all sorts of ministry at Seminole High School and creating revival there and all sorts of cool stuff. And on the worship, leading the youth in worship, being part of the worship team here and playing the guitar,
0: and and this week being part of the Convoy of Hope and the City Church Outreach, the Amers,
2: and pretty cool. Why don't you tell us maybe what happened for you this week when you were ministering to the community? Oh, that was just really cool. I got to go out, and um, one of the highlights for me, I'd say the two biggest things is I was able to go to the Riverwalk, and I was able to... Pray over a homeless man named Lee. We, me and uh, my friend Joey were really able to pour out and share our testimony, and uh, see him really get uh, interested in hearing more about God. And also, when we went down to uh, Goldsboro, we were able to uh, to really spend a lot of time with the kids. That uh, I know one of the kids didn't have a father and mother was staying with the aunt. It just really clung to me, and I was able to, you know, you know, tell them how we're brothers in Christ, you know, and and all sorts of cool stuff. So this is really great. Amen, Eric. We're so proud of you. And hey, Amen. What a great rebounder. It's, let's just give
0: God one more great big hand this morning. <laughs> this next rebounder, she's had something happen to her. It wasn't any fault of her own, just part of the pain of life. And uh, she has a great story, great story of God's healing touch. I want you this morning to welcome Nilda Portolotten to the City Church stage. <laughs> You had a pretty interesting journey here the last year and a half or so, haven't you? I have. And uh, why don't you tell us what happened about a year and a half ago in your
5: life? Um, March Um I had an awful pain. I went to the emergency room, and um, they ran some tests, and they told me I had colon cancer.
4: Wow.
0: I mean, that just changes the world, doesn't it? What happened? How did you feel when you heard the doctor say those words to you?
5: Well, my life was upside down in a second. And um, my husband and I um, started to cry. I told my husband, I'm going to die. I have cancer. Um, After a while, I uh, started to pray. And I said, Lord, I surrender to you. You are my healer. And um, I just gave it up all to the Lord and uh, put my trust in him.
0: Amen. And uh, you positioned yourself. You put, first, you surrendered. You, you made yourself available to the Lord. Uh, and then you didn't quit, did you? You, you weren't going to quit. And why don't you tell us what happened about a year ago?
5: Well, uh, about two months after I had my surgery, uh, I came to church. And uh, the pastor, <laughs> Eugene you, um, called for people who needed prayer for their health. And uh, I came forward, and I felt somebody put their hands on my back. And and um, I started to pray, started to speak in tongues. And uh, I felt like a light, a bolt of lightning hit me. And I knew right there and then that I was healed. Praise God. I have a mighty God.
0: Man, that was a year ago, a little over a year ago. You just got a report from the doctor two weeks ago. Why don't you tell the people what God has done in your life?
5: I am cancer free. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. What a... What a great rebound, and Nilda! We love you. We're so proud of you. Thank you, thank you for sharing your testimony. See, guys, there's always help in God. Keenan, can you help Nilda back? There's always hope in God. He is a healer. He's not just the savior of your soul. He loves to heal, and Nilda's rebounded. Those are so we've had those same words spoken in our home, the exact. And there's such fear, and there's this. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring fear into your life. And if it isn't through sickness, it's through a broken relationship, it's through lack of finances. I mean, he really he likes to paralyze you and to keep you from being all that God's created you to be. This last uh, two people that we're going to introduce to you is a mother and a son. And uh, I've watched this journey personally. I've watched this up close over this last year or so. And I just want you this morning to welcome Jennifer and Jacob to the City Church platform. Let's welcome them this morning as they come. Well, Jennifer, God has really done a cool work in your life. Why don't you just, you know, you had some challenges in the past. Isn't there? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your past and growing up and that kind of thing?
3: Uh, well, I grew up with um, my mom and my dad, and there was just a, a lot of anger and rage that had been passed down from generation to generation. You know, a lot of violence. But we, as I grew up, I continued to... to Pass that, down, pass that on to my son, but uh, I did a lot of running away, did some drugs and alcohol, spent a majority of my teen life in uh, uh, institutions, and uh, my son was born right around when I was 21, and uh, unfortunately, I just continued to pass that down to him. Right.
0: So. And Jacob, that brought a lot of pain into your life growing up, didn't it? Yes, sir. So why don't you tell us a little bit of how, you know, your mom is going through, she's, and you don't even know this, but she's got a lot of hurt inside of her, and how did it affect you growing up as a kid?
3: Well, there was barely any love in the house. We were all angry at each other. We barely, we barely we barely, talked like a family. We were all angry at each other. There was a lot of yelling a lot of screaming. And um, after my mom met City Church and she got saved, I still didn't understand it. So and, the
0: pain continued and yes. you were still acting out?
3: And um, I, I ran away and I acted up and school they were trying to tell my mom that i should do add because you know they think i i needed help but you know the only help i need is god and, amen and
0: amen so she, what happened
3: she sent me to the road haver boys ranch which So it's is,
0: called the road haver where's that at
3: that is in east placa say it again east placa
0: east Plakton. okay and so something happened at this camp tell us what happened
3: well um it is very strong in god they um they push you towards to the true meaning of life and what you should really be focused on, and that is Jesus Christ.
0: Wow! And so you had an encounter with Jesus at the camp, didn't you? Yes, sir. Amen. And you came back into your home
3: and yes, tell sir. us about it now. Everything is just wonderful with God in our lives. Everyone's together. We we can have good conversations. There's barely any yelling. We ble-
0: <laughs> We're barely. still a family. Amen.
3: <laughs> yeah. Amen.
0: Come on. There's a little yelling in your house too. I bet.
3: But um, I just want to thank God for the changes he's done in our life. And
0: um. And about two weeks ago, you and your mom were baptized right out here in the pool. Yes,
3: someday.
0: sir. Awesome, awesome. Let's give God a great big hand. <laughs> you know, really, this story is about Jesus. Over and over and over and over again, you heard the testimonies of how Jesus changed people's lives. You see, the greatest rebounder in all of history, the greatest rebounder, was the man, Jesus Christ, who is also fully God. I don't understand how all that happened or how all that works, but I know it's true. I know that God came in the form of human flesh, just like it was prophesied thousands of years ago from prophets of old. It came to pass exactly the way that God said it would happen. Baby born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, from a virgin. Impossible, you say, because that's the God we serve. Impossible. God of the impossible is able to make possible in your life. Jesus lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. He only did good. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says that everywhere Jesus went, he went around doing good, and he healed all, set the captive free, people who were cutters, people who were living lives far from God. Jesus wasn't afraid to reach the richest man in the city or the poorest man in the village. He loved them all. No respecter of persons. Set at the seat of the wealthy. Break bread with the poor. He was one of them. And for that, for that, he was nailed to a tree. Said he was a blasphemer. Claimed to be God because he did claim to be God. He was God. 2,000 years ago, this great rebounder told the ultimate story. The ultimate story of victory. All of human history hinges on this story. Your life, your destiny hinges on this story. Your life today. You see, in this room, there are people from all walks of life. People with no money, people with lots of money. But the one thing that I know about every person that's here today is that you need God. You can't do it on your own. You at some point, at some place in your life, no matter how successful you are, you're going to reach a place where you can't do it. No matter what station of life you're in right now, some of us just get there sooner. I was 21 when I got there. Gears of wandering and trying to do it myself. and Brokenness and hurt. Jesus reached down to me. I mean, it just, that's all I can tell you. He reached down to me. I just started feeling in my life I needed him. Didn't even understand what it was. And so what I would try to do is pour more alcohol down me. I didn't understand what was happening. My mama was praying. Praying. Someone was praying for me. There was someone that was praying for you today. It might not be anybody you know, but they were praying for you today. That's why you're here. You're in the right position. You see, now you've heard the story. Now something in you says, yes, I want that. And every person, I don't care where they're at in life, part of them wants it and the other parts of them wants to stay in control of their own life. Just like Mike said. Hey, God, I ain't going to go to your house. You ain't going to come to my house. You know what I mean? There's that tension and that war and that battle that's taking place. And it's happening in your heart right now. Right now in this place. You might have been in this church for 10 years. You might be a charter member of First Baptist. A First Church of Christ. But I have discovered over the history of my life that many people will sit in church for years and never surrender their life to Christ. And then they're addicted. They find out pornography, addictions, pills. 10% of Americans self-medicate through prescribed medications. Uh, uh, 10% medicate through prescribed. Another 10% through self-medicate through drugs and alcohol. 20% 20% of Americans are trying to find it through a bottle or through a pill, trying to find, trying to fix whatever is broken inside of them. Just like you heard little Jacob. The only thing he needed really was Jesus. Did he have lots of anger? Absolutely. Did he have lots of things uncontrollable in his life? Absolutely. But Jesus changed that. You see, the ball's in your court. You got the ball. You can do like my. You can shoot the ball. You can make the shot. You're going to make some shots. You know, like in basketball, if you're really good, you're going to make maybe 30. Michael, Michael Jordan, 32% of, the sh- of his shots actually went in. You're going to make some shots. You're going to miss some shots. But today, God wants you to be a rebounder. Maybe some of you in this room, first service in the room, altars, people came. And there were some people that had even, you know, they had come to Christ before. But there was stuff in their life that was keeping them back. And they wanted a rebound. There is someone in this room today, you've never surrendered. You might have heard this message before. This might not be the first time. And let me tell you, saying a little prayer. Saying a little prayer. Okay, you know, saying, God, forgive me. That ain't going to do it. Because there's all kinds of people that said a prayer. And their lives weren't changed. I'm talking about changed life today. I'm talking about you surrendering your life to God. I'm not talking about perfection because there's no one perfect. All have sinned and fallen short. That's why we need a Savior. That's why we need the grace of God. So I'm going to challenge some of your thinking this morning. I'm going to challenge your hearts today. In this room, God is pouring out His love. And He's calling you to Himself. He's saying, just come to me. That hurt that you experienced as a little child, you don't have to hold on to that anymore. What that person did to you, God not only will forgive you, but God will enable you to move on in your life. That pain that came at the hand of your husband who is abusive or your wife that neglected and didn't treat you the way that you should have been treated as a husband. That child, whatever, whatever the hurt has been in your life. That addiction that seems to have you clawed. You can't seem to get free. Some of you have heard this before, but I'm telling you, today is your day of salvation. Today you can be free. Today you can be free. It's for you. You can take the ball. You can rebound. You can win today. I want every person in this room to close their eyes. I don't want anyone looking. Just bring a couple of the house lights up. You're in this room today, and you need a rebound. You know it. You might. You, you, first person in this room I'm going to speak to is those you've never, ever, ever, you've never really surrendered. You've never surrendered your life to God. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. You're in this room. You've never really surrendered. You've tried to stay in control, and today God's saying, "Son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. Come on home. Come on. If that's you, when I get to three, I'm going to have you raise your hand. If you're in this room this morning and you've said the prayer, and yeah, maybe you've done, you know, yeah, I'm serving the Lord, and, you know, I'm trying, but man, you're just stuck. You're stuck. You might be in this room like, you know, what? I just, it's not working for me. I've tried. That. It's just not working. Today, God's throwing out another lifeline. The ball's in your court again. You can rebound. You can do it. The Holy Spirit is with you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I want you to know you can do it. You can get back up today and get in the game. You can surrender. You can go for it. You can live the life. You can live the life that Christ has called you to. You can win.
1: Thanks for listening to this message, Rebounder, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at
0: orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.